sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. When a woman becomes pregnant and after the birth of her child, there are many things she can do to help get breastfeeding off to a great start. What resources should she turn to and what preparation can she do ahead of time? Today I'm excited to introduce Denise Altman, an RN, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, and Lamaze Certified Childbirth Educator to our show. Today we are discussing how to not need a lactation consultant. This is The Boob Group, Episode 32. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the boob group broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At the Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Have you joined our brand new Boob Group Club? All Boob Group Club members can get access to our archived episodes, plus bonus interviews, transcripts, and special discounts and giveaways from our partners. Plus, you can interact with all this great content through the web or through our free Boob Group app, which is available at Amazon Marketplace as well as the iTunes Store for Apple. Today, I'm joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. My name is Sunny Galt. I am 34 years old, and I am the host and producer of the Boob Group sister show, Preggy Pals, which is all about pregnancy. I have two little boys at home. One is just over two, and the one I'm breastfeeding is just about six months old. Hi, I'm Jade. I am 29 years old. I'm a stay-at-home mom to a seven-month-old son. He is at home with dad for the first time. Thank you for coming in. (laughs) Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica. I am 25. I am a yoga teacher, and I'm working towards becoming a hypnobirthing instructor. Um, I have one daughter who is almost 11 months old named Angelica. And uh, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, and welcome to the show. Thanks. Sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh. It was so difficult to wipe off. 
Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So here's a question from one of our listeners. Megan wrote, is there an episode I can listen to about starting your period while nursing? I'm really paranoid about losing my supply and looking for tips to prepare myself. Well, Megan, we actually don't have an episode, but here is our expert, Rose Davinia Jackowitz, who is going to answer your question for you. Hi, Megan. This is Rose Davinia Jackowitz, board-certified lactation consultant at the outpatient clinic in San Diego at Kaiser Permanente. You had some concerns about starting your period again um, and losing your milk supply. Typically, if you're nursing and not having any problem when your period does return, the only thing you really need to worry about is getting pregnant again because it means that you are most likely um, fertile now. However, your milk doesn't go bad uh, when you start your period. There have been some moms that have felt that the baby... Uh, noticed a slight change in flavor, and it's probably a hormonal shift. But after a day or two, that that uh, resolves. So during your period, you may have a baby that doesn't nurse as much or as often. Um, some moms have noticed because of the hormonal shift that they know they feel like there's a little bit of a decrease for a day or two. But once your period is started and your hormones shift back. Uh, there shouldn't be a problem that many, many, many women nurse for a long period of time, uh, even though they've started having their period, so it should not cause your milk to dry up if you continue to nurse. So hopefully that's helpful. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing how to not need a lactation consultant. Our expert, Denise Altman, is a private practice lactation consultant and nurse educator, as well as the owner of All the Best in Columbia, South Carolina. She is also a freelance writer with numerous articles for parents and healthcare professionals in print, as well as two medical textbooks called History and Assessment, It's All in the Details, and Mentoring Our Future. Thanks so much for joining us, Denise, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Robin. So, Denise, um, for a mom not to need a lactation consultant, do you think that she needs a lot of preparation for breastfeeding while she's pregnant? You know, that's a yes and a no answer. Um, No, because we are um, biologically made to breastfeed and our babies um, are biologically made to breastfeed. So, physically, does she need to do a lot of prep work? Nope. But mentally, yes, um, she needs to prepare her brain. Uh, particularly the first-time mom, this is a whole new aspect of her life that um, is going to include such change. So there's no way for anyone to communicate how much that's going to be to her or her partner. 
Um, so, you know, it needs to start with the basics, of course, healthy pregnancy, uh, taking care of herself, getting good prenatal care. All of these things impact the breastfeeding experience. Um, on top of that, um, if she is a working woman then, or in school, she needs to start clearing the decks about midway through pregnancy, uh, preparing for her maternity leave, uh, preparing for the birth. Um, what I see in my practice is a lot of mamas um, get busier towards the end of pregnancy rather than lightening their workload. And this can have some real carryover into the initial postpartum period if they're not prepping ahead. Um, and then finally, prepping the brain by uh, getting some good education in prenatal classes, doing lots of reading, identifying resources, that sort of thing. So talking about those type of resources, um, how important do you think it is for a pregnant mom to take a breastfeeding class, and are all these classes the same? Well, I happen to believe as a prenatal educator, and that's where my background is, is uh, that prenatal classes, especially breastfeeding classes, is very important. Are they all the same? No, absolutely not. Um, just like uh, none of us are all the same. The mama needs to do her research and identify what is in her area. Um, and there's traditional classes put on by hospitals, uh, private practice LCs offer classes, doulas, birth centers. Um, you know, in, there could be individual classes in the home, traditional classes in the classroom, even online courses. So she really needs to research and find out what's in her area, what appeals to her. Um, a lot of the younger mothers like online learning, which can be a great resource, but can also be limited because many of them are recorded and she can't have her own individual questions answered right on the spot. Uh, so she needs to consider what appeals to her, what's available to her. Um, very often there is a cost associated with it. Um, and then she also needs to look at the content um, of the class itself. If it's all about the benefits of breastfeeding, that's nice, but usually you can get that just about anywhere. She needs the nuts and bolts, the how-tos, the what to do if, if the breastfeeding experience is going south. Um, and she also needs to know who's teaching it. What are the credentials of the individual who is offering the class, teaching it, and you know, how does she know what they're saying is accurate and up-to-date? So it does take some investigation to find the right class for her, but yes, short answer again, a, a prenatal breastfeeding class is very important. That's great advice. And do you have any recommendations or personal favorites of books and websites that um, you would offer to a pregnant mom to have, uh, maybe to keep in her breastfeeding library? Okay. Being a book addict, um, <laughs> I've really had to uh, pare down my recommendation list, and especially for the pregnant mom. There's lots of good books out there. Does she need them all? Absolutely not, especially most women don't need the problem-oriented books. So I like to recommend the books and websites that are all about the basics. And of course, you know, the, the mother organization of us all, Leche League and the Womanly Art of Breastfeeding book, um, the Leche League website and the Womanly Art book, both are excellent basic resources for mothers that also include a lot of troubleshooting information and um, even some of the un un unexpected resources that she may um, look for, such as nursing after surgery and that kind of thing. Uh, KellyMom.com, another excellent website. Not a week goes by where I'm not recommending the site to several moms. So that's probably the one I'm on the most as, the, uh, as well as the website that I'm talking about the most. 
Um, Breastfeeding Made Simple is a great book by Kathleen Kendall Tackett and Nancy Moorbacher. I like it because it's a little bit um, center and more manageable with some very basic step-by-step instructions, and it's extremely well laid out, so probably one of my favorites. Um, the boob group <laughs> materials, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Um, especially for mamas who like to listen. I'm an audio uh, person myself, so also a great resource. And then finally, um, very important, the Best for Babes website um, that talks about all of the booby traps. I think the frank and honest communication that's offered to mamas on their website is a a very important resource during pregnancy when moms actually have the time to read and maybe process a little bit what's being said. Oh, those are such great recommendations. Thank you, Denise. Um, So I'm going to open this up to our panelists as well. Ladies, um, what type of breastfeeding preparation did you do before you had your baby? And do you think this preparation was helpful? Um, Sunny, do you mind starting off? Um, No, not at all. Um, I kind of slack in this department, I have to (laughs) tell you. Um, I don't know. You know, we can all say, oh, we're so busy. We're so busy. Um, And I should know better because this last one was my second. (laughs) And things did not go exactly the way I wanted them to with my first. So you think I would have done more prep work um i have to i have to say and this really isn't a plug i promise but um helping to produce the episodes of the boob group and sitting in on these tapings um we started recording these when i was still pregnant and it forced me to you know listen and to um really be more of an active participant in in the whole thing and you know i think it really did get me off to a good start and then even robin just being able to talk to you after the shows like okay well you know this was brought up in this conversation and this is something I struggled with and this was what my experience was. I kind of felt like I had a little bit of one-on-one, which kind of for most people probably would have been like having a, a con- you know consultation with a lactation consultant. That's kind of what it was, but it wasn't formalized, yeah. you know. Um, but as far as reading books and stuff like that, talking to other moms on Facebook and just even being a fly on the wall, there's some great Facebook groups out there of moms that are sharing their experiences and their struggles and their success stories and and um, all that, it needs to come very naturally to me. If it's not natural, it's just not going to work. Thank you. How about you, Jade? I feel like I'm in the minority. Um, you know, I took the a birthing class and one of the, the evenings focused on breastfeeding. And in all honesty, I didn't take it seriously just because we're nursing dolls, you know, <laughs> and I was just, it just didn't feel, it didn't feel real for me either, you know, and um I just figured, you know, it'll come natural to me and, you know, I'll know what to do when I have my baby. And I was lucky enough that, you know, my baby was able to latch, even though he was in the NICU for a few days. And, um, yeah, it, it just worked out. I mean, as far as pumping goes, that that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we were really lucky. That's great. Yeah. That's great. How about you, Jessica? Uh, well, I am all about, you know, just trusting my body. And I just assumed it was not going to be a problem at all. I wasn't going to read a book or take a class or do anything. I was just kind of hoping for the best and just trusting the process. And then my due date comes around and I'm still pregnant. And I decide, okay, what else can I do to show this baby that I'm ready? Um, so I signed up for a breastfeeding class um, on my due date. And it was a whole bu- with a whole bunch of other hypnobirthing moms. Um, and it was just so great because you were just 
in this already like set in a support group with all these other women in the same situation, you could just sit back and just have an expert, you know, tell you what you needed to know. And there's so many things you don't even know to ask, you know, um, that I would have no idea. Like when do you switch from, you know, side to side or um, just little things that if you've never breastfed, you would have no idea is even a question. Um, So I felt extremely prepared. I had a list of people to call if I had questions. Um, so I just felt, you know, so much support and had so many resources just given to me. Um, I think it was like $30 and it was so worth it. I still have my little, um, there was a PowerPoint presentation. I still have my printouts um, in my Angelica folder at home. So um, it was awesome. I would definitely recommend it. That's fantastic. Um, Denise, how, how can a woman's OBGYN or midwife have a significant impact on how she's able to get breastfeeding off to a great start? Well, this is a trust relationship. Again, um, the woman is in a, a very impactful time of her life during pregnancy, be it first or fifth. And you almost, you know, when you, when you have a, a physician or a midwife, a primary caregiver, um, you have a, it's almost, it's a very personal relationship. And so you have a tendency um, in that trust relationship to develop a, a rapport, hopefully. Um, and you put a lot of validity in what they say, how they say it, that kind of thing. So when the OBGYN midwife um, is at least knowledgeable about breastfeeding or encouraging and promoting of breastfeeding, then that really certainly does have an impact on decision-making. In addition to that, um, if that practice um, is very positive breastfeeding, then there's going to be training across the board. Uh, When the mother has a problem, often she calls her OBGYN or her midwife first, even over the pediatrician. And so the person answering that call is, is usually not the primary caregiver. It's the nurse or the medical assistant or whoever's handling triage that day. And so uh, it all kind of flows downhill. If the caregiver's knowledgeable and, and um, encouraging, then their staff is most like, more likely to be as well. And um, if they don't know the answer, hopefully we'll be up on their, their local resources and can get that mother referred to help um, if she needs it. Um, adversely, if at the doctor's office they're handing a mom at the very first appointment um, a packet of papers on pregnancy care and well care plus a little gift bag with formula in it, that in it that also sends a very strong message to the mama that you know this is what their primary caregiver is recommending, and that can certainly have a long-term impact as well. Thank you so much, um, panelists. How? How were your OBs and midwives? Um, were they supportive of breastfeeding? Did they talk to you about it during your prenatal visits? Um, did you get a sense that they felt it was important? Um, Jessica, how about you? Uh, well, I started off with an OBGYN, and I did get that gift bag with the formula. Um, they also had a really high rate of C-sections, and it just wasn't a really good fit, so I switched over to a midwife. Um, and I don't remember really talking about breastfeeding as much, Um because it was just so given to me that I knew that I was going to do it. Um, there really wasn't, you know, she. it wasn't really an issue of conversation because it was just a given. Um, actually, when I had the baby and was in the hospital, um, it was actually the nurses on the floor that were helping the midwife that, you know, showed me how to bring the baby to me and um, different positions and stuff. And that was really helpful. Um, you know, they offered tips and were just kind of encouraging me. Um 
But yeah, the midwife her, her, herself wasn't really involved in that aspect as much. Okay. How about you, Jade? During my prenatal care, um, the midwives were very pro-breastfeeding. And I mean, there was never a question of whether or not I would breastfeed. Um, but I ended up um, having to give birth in a hospital and my baby was taken to NICU immediately. So there wasn't a chance for me to have the skin-to-skin contact or breastfeed my son right away. Um So I was given a pump and just told to use it. I wasn't shown how to use it or how often to use it. Um, So there was a lot of confusion that happened there. But when I did visit my son in NICU um, and he was out of his bubble and I was able to touch him and hold him and feed him, um, the nurses there were were very helpful in helping me breastfeed him and I was there every chance I got to feed him because I didn't want you know him to have any formula or any more formula um or to be given a bottle you know I just wanted him to breastfeed and I wanted to get off on the best foot possible absolutely and Denise will definitely be talking about um what your recommendations are for after the baby's born and when we come back in a few minutes but um Sunny can you share what your experience was with um your OBs or I don't know if you had a midwife did you have an OB I had an OB and it consisted of do you plan to breastfeed yes okay check that off my list that was pretty much it and I don't know if it was because this is my second time around and they I think they knew that I had breastfed my first um but they didn't ask me questions like hey did everything go okay is there anything you want to change there were no follow-up questions um and then when I gave birth um I had a, a planned cesarean due to some complications from my first and um you know, the baby came out and we started breastfeeding right away and, and it wasn't a struggle. It happened very naturally. So I don't know if that's why, um, you know, a lot of people didn't even approach me then. Um, I wasn't still sure that I was doing everything right. So a couple times I did ask to see an LC um, and they basically said, oh, well, everyone here is, you know, trained. All of our nurses here are trained to be able to answer your questions. If you really want to see an LC, that's okay. But just know that you can talk to anybody. Um, but it wasn't I guess I just wanted them to take more of an initiative and I did give birth at a baby friendly hospital um but again maybe they just thought that I had it handled and it was my second and I should know this stuff by now I mean I I'm it's kind of dangerous to assume but at the same time um I really wanted people to be more proactive in it absolutely Denise do you have um do you have any comments you want to mention to these panelists um, it's interesting because you are on the other side of the United States from me, and, <laughs> and I'm assuming that's where your panelists yes. live as well, yet uh, much of what they said I experience and or I, I witness in my practice as well. It's pretty universal, um, and the mamas who are not first-time mamas often do get kind of the raw end of the deal where um, healthcare professionals assume that they know everything they need to know and, oh, this is an easy one. We can check the box off and go to the tough one in the next room. And it's not a lack of caring. It's an assumption, uh, just like she was saying. And, um, you know, we really shouldn't make assumptions because even if this mom has a handle on everything, the baby is a different baby. And, um, you know, that that has a big impact. I know whenever I teach prenatal breastfeeding classes and I talk just very briefly about my own experience with my kids, I say the second one, even though I was an experienced breastfeeding mom, he, he didn't get any of the memos mm-hmm. while he was, you know, <laughs> in utero because he came out and he was worse than the first. And so um, you're at, that's such a good point, Denise, that, that 
every baby is so different too that you can't assume that a mom will know how to troubleshoot um, if the second baby's right. harder than the first. So, well, ladies, we were, we're going to take a very quick break, but when we come back, we'll be talking with Denise on how um, a new mom can maximize her breastfeeding ease and not need a lactation consultant um, after the birth of her child. So we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So we're back and we're here talking with Denise Altman, who is an RN and an IBCLC, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant from Columbia, South Carolina. So um, Denise, our next question for you is, so now the baby's been born and the mom's taken all the classes that she needs or maybe she even hasn't, but she's feeling really confident. Um, And so immediately after the birth, what steps are most important for establishing this great breastfeeding relationship between mom and baby? Okay, well, this is the uh uh-oh moment. (laughs) So when mom and her partner look at the nurse who is caring for her right after delivery and they have the expression on their face that says, now what? (laughs) Um, It's kind of a, oh, we're not sure what to do. (laughs) And I have been that nurse in that position saying, here here we go. Um, But that's that's when you do look to your helpers and whoever is there, the, the healthcare professional that is there to assist you. That's their job. That is the standard of care. Um, as a nurse or a birth assistant, if it's a home birth, birth, birth center birth, um, hospital birth, you know, it's all the same. Um, and so ask questions, express what, where you're, you feel helpless or not sure. But, um, of course, you see this everywhere. Get that baby feeding right away. When babies are born, generally, um, unless there are birth complications, they usually have a fairly strong sucking reflex, rooting reflex. They may need a little help getting started, uh, but they know you, mama, best. Um, the amniotic fluid is flavored with your own scent. Um, so even though they haven't been inhaling your scent, they know what you smell like, and that's very comforting to them. Um, they know the sound of your voice. They've been listening to you for 40 weeks, hopefully, or if not less, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they know the sound of your voice. They know the sound of your heartbeat, and they have been held by you all their life. So what babies want and need is to be held for more, especially on exit, because the world is loud, scary, and cold. So putting that baby uh, right skin to skin, letting them nuzzle, lick, explore, um, stimulate their rooting reflexes, and then getting that first feeding in, that's imprinting. That kind of gets their little brain wiring all set to have a good nursing experience. Uh, It gets that colostrum on board uh, for pushing out the rest of the amniotic fluid out of their intestines that they've been swallowing um, so they pass those meconium stools. Um, But it also gives them a great little energy drink um, because they've just done a lot of hard work coming into the world. So um, just uh, the time 
tiny amounts of colostrum that are transferred between mom and baby um, are enough to sustain them for that first 24 hours in those early frequent feedings um, and you know, stabilize their blood sugar, that kind of thing. In addition, having that baby skin to skin helps them stabilize their temperature, their heart rate, their breathing, and of course, comforts them. So I'm a huge advocate of that first feeding being right away. Even if mama delivers by C-section, I mean, obviously, uh, whether it's an emergency or not, um, particularly if it's not an emergency C-section, um, the baby can nurse right in recovery. And that can be pretty quick, within 35 to 40 minutes um, after the baby exits. Um, so there may be a short separation that, um, particularly in the traditional birth settings, if the mom requests that the baby be brought to her in recovery right away, as long as there are no issues with the baby, that's, that's fairly easy to do. Um, medical staff can do all their assessments while the mama is nursing right there. They can listen to the baby's heart, count the respirations, do everything that they need to do as long as the baby is transitioning well. Um, so there's no real need for the nurse to take the baby away, do stuff, and then bring the baby back. Um, the other thing in those, uh, those early days is to get help from the staff frequently and often. Um, the, the segment is about not, how not to meet an LC, but that still doesn't mean you can't ask for the lactation to call and watch a full feeding, um, particularly if you're having problems, but even if you're not. Um, and the best way to get help from the, the professionals that are there to take care of you is to ask them to watch a full entire feeding from the time the baby is prepared to feed, either being unwrapped from the blanket or mom is bearing the breast to the latch on, to the sucking, to the time the baby falls off. The whole entire feeding, not just the piece of the feeding, a couple of minutes while the baby's nursing. Um, difficulties and issues can happen at any time or even right after feeding, so that's why you ask them to watch the whole thing. And then finally, minimizing separation between mom and baby. Um, a lot of mamas have been told, and I was even one of those nurses that said this, oh, send the baby to the nursery so you can get a full night's sleep. What we now know is that moms actually don't sleep well when the baby is away from them in the nursery. Many of them wake up um, during the night wondering, is my baby okay? Where is my baby? Is she crying? Is she hungry? Does she need me? Um, and so you actually, as the mama, you may find that your sleep is very fragmented. Um, and I actually, I had mothers tell me this when I was a childbirth educator. I used to teach this in my childbirth classes, and mothers came back to me and said, Denise, you've got to quit saying that. We can't sleep when our babies are away from us. And then it just uh, was thrilling to me that it's finally been backed up in the research within the last five or six years. We know, we've seen moms who've been videoed during the night, um, as well as other uh, research studies that, you know, they, they need to be together. And truly, that's how you can um, avoid delayed feedings and feeding difficulties when the baby is right there. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Denise. Um, ladies, do you mind kind of talking about what your experience was after your baby was born? And did you ask for lots of help in the hospital? Did you have a visitor policy, for example? Um, what types of things really helped you get breastfeeding um, off to a start so that way when you got home you didn't have to pick up the phone immediately like I did and call a call a lactation consultant. Um, Jessica, do you mind starting off? Yeah, um, so I had the baby put right on my chest after she was born. The cord was still attached. Um, 
you know, they after the cord started stopped pulsing, they cut it, and I just had her on my chest the whole time. So breastfeeding just happened right away. Um, the only issue was that she sucked so hard um, that I kind of blistered a little bit. And I consulted the nurses, and they tried to give me um, the breast shields. Um, but those were just such, like, a turnoff. I just could not get comfortable with those. So um, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to use these. I'm just going to deal with the blistering. And it lasted for, like, one feeding, and then it went away. Um, I think it was just kind of an adjustment. Um, shocking for my nipples, I guess. <laughs> um, but everything was fine. Um, we set up. We didn't have any friends come to the hospital. It was just parents. Um, everyone, all of our family was from out of town, so that kind of made it easier. Um, but we were just, you know, kind of honest. And you get in parent mode where it's kind of okay if you're a little more offensive to people. <laughs> um, you know, you just got to do what you want and not let, you know, feelings really affect what you think is best. Um, we had a sign on our door um, that said hypnobirthing. And so, you know, please talk in calm voices, low lighting. Um, so we kind of set the atmosphere right when you saw our door, um, which I think really helped. It wasn't overwhelming at all for the baby. Um, and everything went really well. It was a really great experience. Thank you. How about you, Jade? Well, any chance I got, I visited the baby and um was there for most of his feedings. Um, anytime he fussed, you know, I fed him. I mean, I just felt that that's what he needed. That's and huge. That's, that's huge. why he was fussing. Um, when we got home, I mean, my family lives in L.A., and um, so they weren't able to just pop over whenever they wanted to, and my husband's um, parents work. And so we were kind of on our own, and so I was able to feed my son freely throughout the house whenever I wanted to and that was really helpful and it hurt (laughs) (laughs) I mean that was that was really one of the only issues that that I had at the very beginning was that it really hurt and this can't be I can't be doing it right you know if it's hurting this much but um I was doing fine and you know it was just me not really paying attention I guess in the birthing classes when I should have been taking it all seriously um but yeah it was we had a pretty good a pretty good start despite you know my my son being a NICU so yeah we we did really well Sunny um what about you what you had kind of mentioned what your experience was that you almost wished that you had had a little bit more assistance but you also were doing fantastic I was doing yeah I have a good little latcher and he still is and I was very thankful for that I will say I can't say enough about skin to skin contact and what that does not only for the baby but for the mother there is a chemical there's a physical bond there and especially after you've just given birth whether it's a natural birth or in my case with my last son you know I had this you know I was all bundled up because of my c-section and stuff and and you know you've been through trauma whatever it is and you just need to connect with your child I mean there's nothing that I think heals better you know than just having that relationship with your child and so skin to skin was huge, not just right after he was born, but, you know, I was able to start breastfeeding, like I said, probably about 30 to 40 minutes after he came out, after C-section. So, you know, like Denise said, in recovery, they brought him to me and I was just, you know, started then. But I will say, so I was in the hospital for maybe two and a half, three days recuperating. And I pretty much went two and a half to three days without wearing a shirt. (laughs) You know, and I I did. And I just kind of got in my head, okay, I'm not going to be modest about this. This is 
you know, they've seen a lot better, I'm sure. So <laughs> I'm not going to feel all weird them coming in and out because, you know, right after you have a baby, you get a lot of traffic in and out of your room. And so I'm just like, okay, this is fine. I think my husband might have been a little bit more embarrassed about it than me. But that was so important because, you know, I, I didn't feel like I always had to, to read my son's cues or whatever when it came to breastfeeding because if he was awake, I would bring him to breast. If he didn't want to nurse, that's fine. But the opportunity was there for him. Absolutely. Um, Denise, I do want to mention um, that just, you know, just because a mom does need a lactation consultant, this doesn't mean that she is failing at breastfeeding in any sense. And, um, you know, she may have done everything that we've spoken about during this episode, yet she still needs to see a lactation consultant, not only in the hospital and when she gets home, possibly. And so are there certain situations that um, increase a mother's risk for needing help from a lactation consultant, especially after she's left the hospital? Yes, there are certain situations that would increase risk. Um, you know, the biggest reason why mothers call me um, or uh, any mother calls any board-certified lactation consultant is pain. However, um, I think even more important than that is a mother who's getting so much conflicting opinion. Everybody she encounters tells her something different, and she's not sure who's right and who's not. Um, and, and the problem is, is that sometimes there are varying degrees of correct. Um, breastfeeding is not a black and white experience. It's very much a mother-baby dance. Um, but the mother who's gotten so much conflicting information really needs to seek out somebody knowledgeable that she can build that trust relationship with and then kind of sort through which of it applies to her and her baby. So that, to me, jumps right up to the head of the list. And then pain is next. It breaks my heart to hear any mother talk about oh, how badly it hurts in the beginning. And when I was listening, I think it was Jade saying, I just must not have paid attention in childbirth class or I wasn't just doing it right. And every mother does that. We all say, oh, we must be screwing it up. We just, got, we just don't have a nag order. You know, and that's uh, nine times out of ten, at least in my experience, that's really not it. It's, it's a lack of good support, um, a lack of efficient help, and it may not be any of those things. It may be our little baby who's got something going on um, with herself. Other risks, moms who are uh, on bed rest during pregnancy or have a high risk or complicated pregnancy, more likely to have a complicated birth, which we do know impacts the breastfeeding experience. Multiples included. Mothers that have two or more babies can breastfeed, but it does require a little bit of management and sometimes juggling. And as a mother of twins myself, um, I can tell you, yeah, it takes time. <laughs> um, mothers of late uh, preterm, meaning 38 weeks or less, or, of course, preemie babies, um, sometimes our late preterm babies, which are between 34 and 38, 34 and 37 weeks, um, these are our little sneaky little babies. They look good. They breathe well. Their weight is good when they're, they're born, but that suck-swallow-breathe coordination, not so much. Um, they're usually real, real disorganized with their sucking and their feedings and oftentimes don't wait to feed. Um, more prone to jaundice, weight loss, low body temperature, again, impacting breastfeeding. And it just kind of snowballs. 
On the mother's side of things, mothers with a history of breast surgery, um, a history of a clinical depression, they're at a greater risk for postpartum depression. So we really need to make sure that things are going well for them to keep their hormones stable. Um, mothers who had a previous negative breastfeeding experience, they're already starting in their minds with a big strike against themselves. And then finally, mothers who have been given a tool, be it a nipple shield, a syringe, a bottle, anything to help, quote-unquote, with feedings, um, that usually means something's not going well. And sometimes tools, oftentimes tools, are used inappropriately. So if a mother is given a tool by a nurse or an LC, then she does need um, some more help. Um, she should ask why she's being given this tool, what the purpose is, and how she will be able to work towards no longer using it um, in order to... to decision made, but also she needs to be followed by an IBCLC as well, even after um, hospital discharge. Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much, Denise. I, I, we had so many more questions we wanted to ask, and we'll just have to continue them in another episode, I think. Um, but you really just, you touched upon, you know, how to not need a lactation consultant, but just offered such great advice. So thank you. And uh, for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Denise will answer a few more questions on this topic. For more information, information about our boob group club please visit our website at theboobgroup.com hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Before we wrap things up today, here's Jonna Rose Feinberg with some tips for breastfeeding multiples. Hi, Boob Group. This is Jonna Rose Feinberg, editor of breastfeedingtwins.org. I'm a mom of twins and a board-certified lactation consultant in the Seattle area. Today, we're going to discuss some tips for getting started with breastfeeding if your journey includes a stop in the neonatal intensive care unit or special care nursery. Many sets of twins are born at term or only a little bit early with no additional medical concerns. But as a group, multiples have an increased risk of complications resulting from high-risk pregnancy or premature delivery. If your babies are born early or face any health challenges, they may spend some extra time in a hospital NICU. No one plans for a NICU stay, but if it turns out your babies need that extra support, here are some tips to support you in your breastfeeding journey. Ask to speak with a lactation consultant. An IBCLC will be able to work with you to establish your milk supply and introduce direct breastfeeding to your babies when they're ready. Initiate pumping with a hospital-grade pump as soon as possible and continue pumping regularly to establish your milk supply. Bring one of your baby's blankets with you when you're pumping away from the hospital. Sometimes it's hard to relax and let down to a clunky breast pump. Missing the smell of your babies can help you relax and also stimulates an oxytocin response in the brain. Cuddle your babies skin to skin as soon as you and they are able. Skin to skin care helps stabilize baby's temperature and heart rate and is great for stimulating milk production. It's also a wonderful way to connect with your babies. And remember, dads can do kangaroo care too. One of the most important things you can do for your babies while they are in the NICU is to provide breast milk for them. Breast milk is especially important for fragile preemies 
and even small amounts are valuable. For more tips and personal pumping and breastfeeding stories, please visit breastfeedingtwins.org and keep listening to The Boo Group for more twin tips. Thank you so much to our experts and our panelists and to all of our listeners. If you have any questions about today's show or the topic we discussed, you can call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear it. Simply visit our website at theboobgroup.com and send us an email through the contact link. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group because mothers know breasts. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating healthcare problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.